Hey Legionnaires, General Kara Organa here. If you've got any young Padawans listening, now might be a really good time to send them off to the Jedi Training Academy because listener discretion is advised. Hello there. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, an unlikely band of nerds united over their common love for the Star Wars Legion miniatures game. We Are Legion is a podcast dedicated to coverage of all aspects of the hobby, from competitive play and list building, to painting, modelling and terrain building. And now, here are your hosts. And welcome back, Legionnaires, to another episode of We Are Legion, a Star Wars Legion podcast with a down-under flavour. Uh, I am your host, uh, Sydney Exhaust Port Designer Fan, and with me, as always... Support Officer Cooper and Intel Officer Luke. So, how are you going, guys? Hope you're getting plenty of games in. You know, we're certainly seeing a lot of uh, activity around um, our community uh, we're seeing the, the plays for our show really pick up, um, so, you know, it feels good. Uh, feels like uh, we're really getting back into our hobbying, and uh, there's a lot of stuff uh, going on. Um, so, guys, um, you know, we, we're all about um, connecting with different uh, Legion communities um, on this show. Um, so if you wanted to uh, uh, wanted us to give you a plug, if you, you know, you're, you have a local gaming group, if you have a regular meet at your local gaming club or store, um, send us a message um, and uh, we'll uh, give your, your local meet uh, a bit of a plug uh, on our show. Um, so, yeah, just doing our bit uh, for the community. Yeah, that's us. We're just, we're just generous, gregarious. Like, we don't care where you're from, whether it's Kazakhstan or Perth. <laughs> Basically the same, to my understanding. Uh, we would like to support your gaming group. Uh, yes. We we all we all legion. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh there it is. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, there it is. Wow. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. He he just said we're we're all legion. We, we, we are legion. legion. No, no, we are all legion. That's the that'll be that'll be on a shirt. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Giving giving Luke the uh, the actual ideas for his next uh, shirt calls. I want to say you know the, you, know, what, you know, words. <laughs> What are those things? What are those garments called again? <laughs> Fuck. Those shirt calls. Those things that we wear, what are they? Oh, shirt. Shit. That's so, what so it is. when are you going to get that shirt back from Latvia? Look, look, let's not discuss that. All right. Uh, MOTF uh, community store, shirts available, merchandise mm. available all across the world. Especially if you're in Latvia. Yeah. <laughs> we, we should have some We Are Legion stuff going up at some point. Um, I'm hinting here so Luke can get his finger out oh all right that's fine no this is what <laughs> no i come here. No, this is what i come here for to be lectured at that's great <laughs> <laughs> so, so what have you guys been up to like a whole fortnight and a little bit have passed so we we talked about um trash units last episode uh and i made a joke about running a wise atst with all snowtroopers uh so i actually did that how'd that go for you Pretty good. Um, I almost tabled my opponent. I'm shook. I'm not going to lie. I'm shook. Uh, Anything for you, Luke? No, I'm shook. I'm just so shook by that. I just, I can't fathom that. Like, did Weiss do anything? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I got, got really? off uh, two turns in a row. So I got my uh, 11 uh, dice attack pool, uh, two turns in a row. Uh, so tap Weiss. Throw the 11 uh, dice, then Imperial Discipline, recover it, 
throw it again. That's See? crazy. And that was pretty sweet. That's crazy. See? So what were you running it with? Were you running it with all the guns or just the everything but the mortar? Everything except the mortar. Okay, yeah, yeah all right. Yeah. All right. So it was uh, it was a close range uh, beast, um, you know, with five snowtroopers, with two e-webs, uh, beers. So the whole army was close range. Uh, you know, I was I had some help. <laughs> yeah, not gonna lie. Uh, the table had um, uh, you know, line of sight, blocking terrains everywhere. It was a Jeddah city uh, t- uh, table. It is a gorgeous table to play on. Having looked at it, I want to get a game on it at some point. I honestly, when he said I, was, I, I, when he said I had some help, I assumed he was gonna be like, you know, I drugged my opponent for one. That helped. <laughs> I, I chipped all the dice so that they rolled. In yeah, the so I melted my dice beforehand. Like, no, that's the real secret to success. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I mean, well, um, the yeah. deployment really helped as well. Uh, it was one of the new uh, deployments. Uh, I think it's called Danger Close. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, so yeah. You the, start yeah. off uh, yeah. only range three apart. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean that, that helps with that grenade launcher getting up. Close you, you know, close. you know that like actually that's like a really good point. Yeah, you know if, if you get a deployment like that, that would really you know change the consideration. So don't, don't diminish your achievements, sir. Like <laughs> I, I'm I'm shook. Leave me shook. Don't take it away by being like, well, you know, I had this good luck and everything kind of went my way and I had the table was great and the de- no, no, just be like, yeah, I crushed it. Yeah. yeah. I'm just the best. So, uh, anything from you, Luke? Any any games? Any any hobby? Any? No, 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 <laughs> no. I can't. I don't, I don't hobby. Yeah, I don't play this game. I, I, just, <laughs> I, I just met a hobby at this point. <laughs> I, like I'm a podcast. Just tournaments and win. Yeah. Oh, I just run tournaments now. Uh, or I play on YouTube. Yeah. I just, no. Uh, Speaking of running tournaments, uh, I believe you had an mm-hmm. announcement. To uh, thank you for teeing me up on that front. Uh, yeah, so we would definitely, we would love, on behalf of the MOTF community team, uh, we would love to announce that we are going to be hosting and, you know, organizing, running uh, the Allegiant Tournament at Moab, which is the mother of all battles, uh, 2020. Uh, at this stage, we are going to be capped to 20 players. Uh, obviously, that will be subject to change depending on if restrictions are eased. Obviously, if restrictions are tightened again, then Moab will be cancelled. But, you know, tickets, you know, let's, barring, barring Victoria, keep your shit in line. Uh, we should be on the easing trend. So, everybody, extra incentive to wash your, your hands. physical dens- uh, distancing, uh-huh, do your hygiene measures. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, so, you, you know, so tickets will go on sale uh, July 11th. I'm looking across at my partner in crime here, Jeremy yep, Cooper. Yep, July 11th. Um, they are 34. Oh, shit, I actually have They're money. You can pay for them with dollar and dues. <laughs> uh, you all know that currency well, I assume. It will be X amount of money you need to yeah, pay. Yeah, and you will pay. And you will pay. Spot. And then you will have confirmed your spot. And if you do not pay by a certain date, the amount you need to confirm your spot will increase slightly to incentivize you to buy earlier. Uh, so, before... No, no, just leave it with X amount. Don't, <laughs> don't give them real dues because then they have to go search it. Now, now we've gotten them curious. We've piqued their interest, Jeremy. <laughs> but I would also like to use this point uh, to extend a massive thank you to Jeremy. Uh, so, I am going to be the tournament organizer in this. So, on the day, I will be running and you know dealing with everything. So, he will be, fortunately, uh, I assume, buying a ticket and playing because he would like to play these games. Shocking, I know. Uh but I, I do have to give him a massive thank you because we are we are a team and even though this was on my wheelhouse, I've had a lot of real life stuff. I've started a new job. It's all exciting, blah, blah, blah. And 
I wanted to get the players pack to Moab, um, you know, like a weeks ago, and it just got away from me. And you know, Jeremy really stepped up and he said, "Hey, like, do you need like a hand with this?" And I was like, "Yes, please, thank you, God, help me." <laughs> so many ways, child. Oh, but yo, you just meant the players pack? Yeah, yeah, okay, take that. Yeah, 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 yeah. that'd be great. Um, <laughs> no, but it's like really, it's really, really helpful, and I think that's you know that is a great reflection of why we set up the MOTF community team because that really allows us to consistently run these high quality events and. I can definitely say that on the day uh, you will get to enjoy and play, and much like CanCon, I will be the one dealing with all the good stuff. Uh, so it's going to be a great day, uh, or a great two days, I should say. It's going to be a great weekend. Uh, and yeah, so you know, get in, get in on those tickets because it'll be pretty tight. And then obviously, once tickets sell out uh, for you know, in terms of the twenty players, we'll start a waiting list. And if restrictions ease, that'll be really helpful. If players are on that, because then we can show why we should be getting you know. More, more more spots allocated to us. Not only that, then we also have a, a list of people that we can just go, hey, you guys are next on the list. When spots become available, we can go straight to you instead of trying to announce every couple of weeks if something comes up or yeah, if exactly. more tickets open up. And I mean, the, the reason that their restrictions are that big at the moment is they're looking at 100 players over every game system that they're getting. So if you think about that in scope, we're getting a fifth of their tickets. Which is crazy, which is great. If we can get them in there and purchase fast enough. So, so guys, get on that. So, so, so really the summary of this is bye, bye, bye. <laughs> now, now, now. <laughs> like, like me getting as many things as I humanly can for every faction that is available. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. Fo- bye, bye, bye. Fo- follow Jer- Jeremy Cooper's uh, philosophy on phase twos. Buy stonks, okay? <laughs> right? Don't, doesn't matter where from, buy stonks. Yeah. Check, check every website, check every yeah. web store, including from Kazakhstan. Correct. So, so Fangs had a game. Luke's done nothing. I've developed or fixed the players' pack. Oh, yeah, you crushed it. Yeah, just tell us how you've just been, like, just swish up oh, the I'll, switch. I'll, I'll, I'll just rub the salt in a little more on Luke here a little bit and go, I actually went one and one against Nick last weekend. Wow, I don't know why that's salt on the wound for me. I mean, I congratulate you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, nice to see you finally beat Nick. I, that's, that's, I, 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 hats off to you, sir. I've beaten him before. Just not at Armada. <laughs> But you played in Legion, I assume. Yes, yeah, Legion, Legion, one, one and one. Nice. Um, my, my victory was using Cassian. I want to say, Ooh. actually, for the first time ever, a rebel list with no force user. Wow. No Tontons. Wow. Only one sniper, and Whoa. on the Pretty on well. the on the uh, level of trash units, two units of Pathfinders. And, and you won with this list, you said? Yes. Wow. Well, all right. I mean, uh, consider me consider me curious. <laughs> Dice did have a little bit of a factor. Ah, there it is. No, no, no. Leave me shook. I told you. I told Faye. Leave me shook. Don't explain. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but uh, June, Cassian, K2, and Artu in a list is just... Yeah, that's pretty nice. It, it's... And then being able to throw in the four Rebel Troopers. Right. Like, all with heavy weapons? Or? No, 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 no. Uh, four Rebel Troopers with two with Specialist. Okay. So I can get that free dodge on that turn that I need it. Uh-huh. which actually came out really handy in turn one. And, yeah, two Pathfinder units. I tried three in a game previously that week, and it just three Pathfinders is just... Yeah, that's silly. I, I, I feel like the curb is just a max of two. Well, I would say it's because, yeah, I think two is good because you get Bistan and Pal, and then after that, but the return is not good. B- Bistan's not a, a unit leader, so... Yeah, he, I understand he, he, You've got to be a lot... Uh, more careful with him than you do with power because he's not going to hang around till the end of the. No, I understand, but I, in terms of like what the third unit brings, right? It's just like a. 
Oh, I was aiming for a full Rogue One, drop them in on my yeah, enemy's I lines. and. <laughs> yeah. It also had a lot to do with that turn four, shoot the unit with two boxes. Because mm-hmm. we were playing Recover the Supplies and watching my opponent go, yeah, that box unit's great. And I'm like, cool. And Cassian kills the unit leader by sniping him and you drop the boxes. And he's like, ah. Crazy. All right. Well, I, I look, I look, I'll give it to you. I'll give this to you on air. My man. That's all I wanted. My man. That's all I wanted. um, My my impression of that list is, you know, they're just too many threats to deal with. You know, there's not kind of like a main hitter. Um, There's, you know, a a number of multiple uh, hitters. Um, and it kind of overwhelms the opponent, you know. So kind of like, where where do I prioritize? Was that your experience playing with this? Yeah, that and the fact that Cassian and K two are just disgusting. Yeah. Um, on the turn when you can give, if you're using all of Jin's cards as a turn where you can give teamwork to a unit. Yeah. So if you can pass that to K two and then activate K two, you're throwing out nine or so free tokens across the board to two units that need wow. them. Yeah, yeah. And you're just like. Oh, cool. Jin's going to get the shit kicked out of her by Obi. Um, cool. I'll teamwork in. I'll teamwork off Cassie off K2, and then K2 activates and goes, cool, well, I'm going to... I get this wrong every time. Is it quick think? No, it's the other one, isn't it? Calculate. Calculate odds. Yeah. So there's, there's a, a dodge and a name for both me, Cassian, and then Jin as well. And then I'm going to do some things. And then I'm going to do a, another thing. And he's like... He's, the gun that he gets off Jin, although it's range two, that five white dice suppressive, it's like a, it's a souped up Z6 at short range. Mm. And think of mm. him like a B2 with red armor. It's disgusting. Because that's like, mm. that's like PS1, right? The, yeah, yeah. The, and the, suppressive. The yeah, that's, yeah, that's pretty nasty. And especially if, um, I think, because he has a training slot, right? So I've, I've seen people throw like offensive push on him, I think. So then, and then especially like in that, if you, you know, obviously a bit of a dream turn, but... You know, that, like, calculate odds to part out tokens. Then you do an offensive push, and you're like, cool, have two aims, guy. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that, that token value is really, really good. Yeah, well, you can, you can obviously, instead of just getting the free offensive push move there, you can just go, look, I've got him in cover already, and then do the same thing without that. So you can go for your aim when you stand by. Actually, yeah, that's yeah. what I should have done. I should have given him a standby, and then I would have had three standbys on the board for the price of one. That, that's a classic jerk move right there. Is when you won... <laughs> And then you tell your opponent, you're like, oh, you know what I should have done instead? You know what would have crushed you harder? Oh, yeah, that. That's what I should have done. Hey, look, everything's a learning curve. Yeah, no, I'm not saying it. I'm just saying, you know. Anyway. And we, we have a very quiet special guest sitting with us Yeah, yeah tonight. very quiet. That's the way it should be. <laughs> <sighs> He's yeah. just contractually not obligated to yeah. talk on a podcast. Correct. Welcome a very quiet Nick to We Are Legion. <laughs> Get back in the dungeon. <laughs> it's not Ken, dude. Leave him alone. I love him. He's the best. So, coming up next, uh, the next installment of our Trash Units series. Mm. Remember, so, we can't call it that. No, we can't. Warcoggy gave us a plus, but, you know, his other host was like, nope, 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 nope. No, no, no. I'm going to say it right here. The unit we're about to discuss, it's a trash unit. <laughs> I, I don't, like, lay it on me, Fang. What are we talking about this week? What did what did the poll select? You absolute jerks. Every one of you. I can't believe you did this to me. What a stitch up. I, I mean, hang on. They asked for trash. He asked, what trash unit? Do you want talked about? And then, then the, the, we shouldn't listen to people. 
But we do, apparently. So, you know, vote again this time and please vote correctly and not pick <laughs> something like this. I mean, you got it easy with the ATST. Come on. It's true. It's true. They really wanted to hurt me. Uh, and the people spoke loudly and they spoke clear. So by a very wide margin. Oh, it's one. <clears throat> literally 200% of the votes of the next closest unit. We have, the, how many votes did it have in the end? It was something. It was. It was, it was sixty plus. That's stupid. That's, <laughs> I can't believe sixty of you jerks did this to me. <laughs> really? Of course, it's all personal. It is yeah. personal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, it, the, the podcast entirely is Luke's, and it's you know. No, 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 I'm not saying that. They did this to all of us, but now I'm emerging personally. They did this to me, and you can sit there and be like, you did this to me as well. You choose not to. That's that's your prerogative. We we started this, and I said, there are very... I'll take it back and say there are very few trashy units. Boy, they picked one. Well, I didn't... No, there could have been worse. We could have gone the X34 route. All right, all right. By a landslide, the people have picked... The full scout trooper squad. I can't believe it. I mean, they didn't make him do the T-47. Yeah, but at least... I Look, a controversial... Like, well, that's not controversial. If you're right, you believe this. T-47 better than full scouts, guys. Come on. It's not even close. Well, guys, we we got to have a go. You know, gonna, I'm going to gonna see more full scout units yeah, we, than we, we T-47s. Trying to, trying to polish this, this stunning the rough up. So there's one word for it. Yeah, all right. Try to find, find this, the pros. Is, there, know, is it a brown? Find a way for this unit to work on the tabletop. This brown diamond, okay. This brown, very brown. Um, <laughs> so I thought something that was hilarious was that in preparation for recording, Jeremy actually laid out the Scout Trooper like full unit card because he's right. I'd really forgotten what they had available. <laughs> so I have not run them uh, in I'll, a very long time. Uh, yeah, for two weeks we've been thinking about this. And I'm like, how the fuck do we do this? And I'm like, uh... uh We'll, we'll try. We'll try. Uh, I mean, they have low profile. Wow. Well, think of the the savings. They have sharpshooter <laughs> one. Yeah, that, no, that's good. That's legitimately good. I like that. I mean, this they have scout one. One. Yeah. Like it's it's not great. Yep. It's it's Rex level. Yep. Like re- it, it it's I get a tiny little bump. You get a bump. Yeah. They have a training slot, so you can give them offensive push. So yeah. you know. they got a gear slot, so you can give them a recon intel. Yep. Which is nice. Which means you can get a scout to move. Like you can do a mini Rex with the unit here. That's pretty good. Um, you can give them the sniper rifle. Yep. Or the bomb. Or the bomb. Yep. Um, can they take an additional trooper? No. 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 They have a comm slot, so you can give them a HQ. Oh, yeah. Or a comms relay or a no. something. You can give no. them a something. Nothing in that is appealing to me. Go on. I mean, you guys pick scout troopers. So, for, from a rebel's perspective, which is where I, I played it, like my money would go commandos over scout troopers every day of the week. Yeah, but that's not what we're, that's not what we're doing. We're they, doing they, scout troopers. They do <laughs> surge. Units. They are one of the only imperial units surge to defense. Shut up about the dice save, but they surge to defense. <laughs> I mean, he's not you're wrong. really trying hard. You know, I've got to give you that. Yeah, I, I'm looking really hard here because, like. Well, all right, we'll round off their stats, obviously. Uh, they're all health one. Uh, that's not great. But their courage two, which is nice. Mm-hmm. That's that's like that's legitimately nice. That actually does make them a lot more viable for, like, objective grabbing, and they can be independent because they don't have to worry about suppression. You know, they also don't have to worry about suppression because they'll be dead, but that's fine. <laughs> uh, Anything that gets in close range is going to cop a, a beating because their fleet troopers on crack. It's true. They are double black range two. Um Oh, wait, 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 well, fame, our glorious leader. 
What would you, what would you do? What, how do you? So how do I you like make... how you know when when we have an impossible task, you know, find find, yeah, you're, yeah. find the pros in the scout troopers, the full squad. I'm the glorious leader. I don't. You throw it to me. I, I don't know why you read so much into that. It's just. <laughs> You know, uh, I, in, in times of crisis, the buck stops with you. Uh, so. <laughs> so our <coughs> listeners, um, you know, being being the, the good people you are, uh, you have helped us out um, with your comments um, that, uh, on that Facebook poll. Um, so um, I think uh, several people have pointed out, um, you know, Iden with uh, full scout units are pretty hot right now. Pretty hot. Um, so that, you know, made me think about it. Um, Gives so them a one-turn boost, which I is good. What people are, are meaning is um, her three pip, yeah. um, the uh, tactical strike. Uh, so for one turn, um, she can issue orders to herself and three troopers. And when she issues uh, order to a, a special forces unit, uh, they uh, gain, uh, they can reduce their maximum speed down to one. And then game steady and uh, tactical one. Yeah. So obviously, uh, optimum use for this will be, uh, for example, moving twice. Mm-hmm. So then you get uh, two aims. Yep. From tactical one, um, and then you can perform your free attack um, at the steady, end of yeah, that yeah. Uh, activation. And like to be fair, because we were sitting here talking about it before we started recording, if you can get, you know, if you can get the full unit to hit. It's like it's pretty nice, right? You got you know, assume you have the four man, you know, the four man unit plus a sniper rifle, you're hurling ten black, so with two aims. So on average, you know, like you're it, technically it's different because binomial distribution is more more true picture, but your EV, your expected value is like seven hits before cover. Mm-hmm. And you sharpshoot a one. So even if they're in heavy cover, it's still they're copying six PS one. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty good. Like rebel units, dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, on average, uh, like if they're not a red surging unit, they're on average taking four wounds, which is pretty good. Down to one or two guys. Yeah, right. And if you get a little bit lucky, you can wipe out like a whole squad. So, like, it's good. Like, that's good. Mm-hmm. It's just. So, <laughs> I don't know if it's it, ever going to happen. No, well, there, there's, there's, there are a lot of negatives, and a lot of that comes to efficiency. So, the strike team is efficiently better. Yes. Like, I'll give it that. If we were looking at the Rebel version of this and I was having to compare a unit that's the same size, Pathfinders do commando jobs better than the Pathfinders. The Pathfinders do it better than the commandos. So that's Rebels get that problem. Yeah. Scout Troopers don't have that issue, but Death Troopers, like, in that slot that they fill, there are... It's pretty competitive. It's com- it's competitive as hell already. Like, if you're looking at units with... Uh, armies with Krennic in them, for example... Yes, they get that fourth slot because you can take that extra Death Trooper unit, but I want to fill it out with Death Troopers and actual sniper teams as opposed to because of efficiency, as opposed to the full man unit. I mean, if you look at like Imperial Special Forces, a full, like currently, a full size scout squad is the, is like the least valuable in terms of what I'm likely to select. And that's including a unit that's coming out in the future. What's what's, what's special forces is coming? Out. Oh yeah, yeah, right. And so like, and again, that's like a that's a problem, right? Presuming if they follow like the Pathfinder, you know, sort of model, right? Where yeah. they're more like infiltrators or something like that. Yeah. Um, but we we for 
the purpose of uh, yeah for right now for right now segment. obviously obviously for right now yeah, full squad is on the table yeah how do we make it work how do we make how it work we get full okay. value out of it so i think one of their real problems obviously is that they have real like they have shit defense right mm-hmm. like they they, yeah. have, they have the classic rebel trooper core problem which mm-hmm. is white white, white defense dice ain't worth shit yeah and and unfortunately for scout troopers, low profile is not all it's cracked up to be because a lot of things ignore that either by having sharpshooter themselves or by oh I just roll crits ah oh, you did yeah uh, mm-hmm. I feel like white dice needed to have an extra save on them because everything that has a white dice save is, yeah or or an extra surge oh, I I think really it's not so much like you know you could go from it from another way of if these were a lot cheaper. Right, then, yeah. then, then the concern like is not as bad. Like if if a full unit of like twenty points cheaper, then yeah, then I'd start to look at them. Yeah, like if a full unit of scout troopers cost like with a with a heavy cost the same as like a stormtrooper unit, then you're like, oh okay, I, like then I'd be like, all right, yeah. Then mm-hmm. then you're thinking about it a little more. But it's yeah, I I think that's the the big problem there because they are sixty points. So just as a base unit, just yeah. as a base unit. Yeah. So at that price point i'm getting a dlt stormtrooper unit Mm. so that means i'm getting the range four heavy weapon four range three guys red armor surge to hit which is another negative against scouts because they don't nakedly surge to hit yeah all right all right so but you know our glorious leader has said we should focus on the positives if they're on the table right now how do we play them so I'm sort of taught, so one of, I think another, again, not to, like, and this is me trying to be like, okay, how would I play them? Again, another of their, like, issues is that I don't, I don't think they synergize well with a lot of, like, Imperial... Units and armies and lists and... Yeah, like, what they kind of want to currently do. Or what, what units would you reckon they synergize with? I think, okay, so I think, like, an obvious one, uh, and I, I think this, like, helps a lot of Empire units is I could see them if you had, like, IRG, so then you could guard in away some of the pain. Obviously, Iden, I think, with, like, Tactical Strike is legit. If you could pull that off, that's legit. That'll, that'll jack a unit up. That's pretty good. I mean, anytime you can throw 10 black dice with, you know, two aims, sharpshooter one, pierce one, if you could throw that against a hero, like if they're not a pierce, if they're not pierce immune, that'll probably jack up most heroes. Like that's that's legit if you can pull that up. So uh, pretty much mm-hmm. any non-force user, including Grievous, would cop that. Yeah, would cop that, and then that'd be a bad time, right? Uh, so I think that's all pretty good. I, I'm sort of like in two minds because originally when we were sort of looking at this, I was sort of thinking like, oh, maybe you need to go like, you know, and I think I was really focusing on the tactical strike. I was thinking maybe you go like mass scout troopers, and that's how you do it. Uh, I now You're actually, thinking one unit with a, or like minimum, not minimal, but one unit of scout troopers as opposed to like going for the three. Yeah. So I, I think if you're going to take a full squad, I think I would probably just, in my head, I see them a lot in the way that I would play fleet troopers, which is I'd probably take just the one unit. Um, and I'd actually kind of be torn about whether I'd want the sniper rifle. If you have the sniper rifle, it's kind of nice in the sense that you can use them as a cheeky third, you know. Uh, sniper. Third sniper if you want. Um, but and that bomb is so good. And yeah. isn't the bomb for Imperials suppressive? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. sure is. Fang, Fang knows that well. I will uh, never forget it. So that's that's like an interesting point is like, so I, I can actually see an argument for if you, if you take like a, a full squad and you take them with the bomb and you kind of use them 
like a like it's tough because you're trading off that pierce, but then you're also having the ability to throw bombs out, which is really hot. Well, I mean, that bomb also gives search to crit, doesn't it? Yeah, but that's only on the like the bomb. That's not on the like you're not. Uh, anyway, so the extra bodies in the full squad um, let you keep throwing out bombs. Yeah, yeah exactly. Compared to a strike team. To, compared to a strike team, and but and more importantly, what it is is like so to to finish off my point. So when you play fleet troopers, or at least I find is I kind of use them like quite often defensively so you kind of get them behind some like line of sight blocking cover you have them locked down a point um and i can see that unit doing really well with that because now not only are they locking down a point because they can go well i can throw a 10 black yes i don't have ps1 but i'm still throwing 10 black if you get into the you know the bad zone but then on in addition to that what like if if you're not coming around to deal with them they're like cool i'm gonna throw out a bomb i'm gonna throw out a bomb it's gonna be a real bad time for you when you come around here Mm -hmm. Like, I can see that. I kind of now want to try that. That sounds kind of fun, to be honest. I've I mean, talked myself into my shit. Yeah. I'm like, oh, you know what? That could be kind of fun. Like, looking at them, I'm looking at thinking, what missions do they work really well in? Part of that for me was like, oh, well, you know, look at Bombing Run. Yeah. They're a unit that you can hide close to that cart as it's as it's moving and just be like, and yeah, duck it in between cover and be like, yeah, cool, it's in range one. So I've always got that unit to make sure that my cart keeps moving. Yeah, totally. And then you can section off that area by going, yeah, well, I've got a bomb that I can throw out. I've got a bomb that I can throw out. And, oh, look, you're getting close. Yeah, cool. Bang. I, I think that's like another thing that would be, I mean, look, it's true of all units, but I, I think like a full scout trip unit more so than others is where you really need to think about what missions you're running with them. Like it was interesting like hearing mm-hmm. you talk about earlier uh, in, the, you know, in the episode or in the introduction where you had Danger Close as mm. the... Uh, or Hemden, sorry, you had Hemden, which is a... No, Danger Close. Oh, you did have Danger Close? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, I was going to say, or in my head I was thinking, you know, I was thinking Hemden, which is the one where you have, like, the people standing in the middle and you have the two flanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have some of these objectives like that, oh, sorry, these deployments like that, where you start really, like, on top of each other, suddenly some of their downsides are not so bad, right? Because now you can be like, well, I'm going to be, like, pretty up in your grill pretty early on and, you know, like, causing you problems if you don't deal with me. So mm-hmm. I think things like that really sort of change you know, how I would value them. And, you know, I, I do I, I do think you definitely got to take them with a heavy weapon. I can see arguments either way. I think in terms of, the more I think about it, I think in terms of the way I would play a full scout trooper unit, the bomb's probably better uh, just because mm-hmm. it allows you to lock down a point more, sort of like more intensely. Uh, but having mm-hmm. a sniper is always great. Like the ability to just be like, ah, I'm just going to pierce one a unit, you know, from range five. Like that never mm-hmm. hurts. Yeah, I think the the full scout unit with a sniper doesn't add a whole lot on top of a strike team with a sniper, whereas you yeah. know a full unit with a uh, with a saboteur yeah would add uh, add a lot more, which um, uh, is probably what the box was intended to be if we look at it. Because there's seven models in the box, both cards. The strike team definitely. I mean, without being biased, not the strike team has the sniper on the picture. So it was obviously mm-hmm. intended to be the way that they've done it in that box is yeah cool you can take it in the whole unit but it it looks more like it's meant to be your sniper strike team is your strike team and then your bombing mm-hmm. unit is your full unit yeah mm-hmm. and we've all just adapted and used the strike team for everything because it's just efficient yes well, that's it's efficient and it's easy right you yeah know, you just park your uh, sniper there for the whole game and uh, yeah. aim and shoot and the, the bombing guys is easy because you can hide a two-man unit a lot easier than you can hide a four-man unit or a five-man unit in that instance so it's really yeah. interesting too because now that i think about it you know you could take 
I see, and this this is sort of like where I'm torn because I like that's that it's that it's that darn dirty scout one. Because <laughs> if they had scout two just natively, I know obviously that's a point of difference between them and the rebels, so I understand reasoning behind that. But you know, you could drop some of that. Uh, what you would do if you're running stab strike teams, and you know, put it on the the full team where you like maybe put like a stamps. Uh, Mm-hmm. Although I feel like probably a bit too expensive. I think it's very expensive. Yeah, but you know what I mean? But then, like, you know, I don't know. I'm just trying to play around with it and sort of... Like, I could definitely say something like offensive push on them, like using that training slot. Well, let's premise it this way. It's your next bat rep. What are you putting in this unit? How many of these are you putting in your army? One. I'm putting one. One? Okay. I'm putting one. Um, I'm giving them a saboteur and uh, probably recon intel. And maybe a training slot. Offensive push? Maybe. Or something else. I don't know what. I'd have to look. It's like, just to be honest. Uh, Duck and cover? So that, that one turn that you need? Nah, nah. Nah, because I don't care about it. Because it's just the yeah. majority of the time I'm going to be like, nah. The, that duck so, and cover, I'm never going to be like, oh my God, thank God I didn't but, leave home without it. But like, remember with duck and cover, your low profile is an instant kick in on heavy cover. Yeah, I know. I understand. I understand how to. Like, I have played the game. I, like, <laughs> are, are, you, are you sure? It's been a while for you. I know, look, I know. I. It's like riding a bike. You know. Um, you need a couple goes to get it right. No. Yeah. Look, you're, you're really trying to sass. You're just not as funny as you think you are. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be a payback. I'm going to pay for this. There's been so much sass from me today. I think, um, you know, running a full scout uh, unit, you know, regardless of what upgrades you're putting, you know, what heavy weapon you're putting, um, it's going to require a, a higher skill level to Definitely. run it successfully. Yes. Yeah. So you kind of can, can look at a positive of, of doing this as a way of developing your game. Oh, definitely. Right? Yeah, it's a challenge. You know, it's it's easy to run a gun line, triple snipers, you just sit there and mm. shoot. It's easy um, to run five units of snow troopers that move and shoot the whole game too. Not really the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, when, when you're running, um, you know, whether it's one full unit of scouts or three full units of uh, scouts, you know, you you got to consider a lot more factors. You got to consider terrain. You got to consider your uh, approach vector. Mm. You got to plan out your whole game uh, in advance. You got to consider your deployments, your missions. Um, so it, it really uh, pushes you to to think more deeply, take more variables into account. And you know, when when you're doing that sort of exercise, then your your developing your gameplay yeah definitely i like and i think that's i think that's like the big thing is that i would also say to players this would sound you know it's gonna be shocking advice but the thing with scout troopers that makes me so sort of leery of them is they end up quite expensive this is obviously the full squad they're quite expensive and they die really quickly because of the the, just the awful white save so Mm. i think my biggest advice is okay if you are going to do it I think you need to do probably both things, but one at least one of the two. If you have other threats that are going to draw attention away from them, if that's, you know, I don't know what that necessarily would look like, but, you know, th- there would be other things in the list that your opponent goes, no, I have to deal with that first, mm-hmm. and sort of draws the heat away from them, then I think you're going to have a much better time with scout troopers. The other option, which I think is probably more likely and what you really need to be doing with them, is you really need to be... Like, as you said, Fang, thinking about your approach angles, 
And sort of like with force users being, you know, really cautious about and clever about how you use line of sight blocking terrain mm-hmm. to sort of close off angles to prevent you from getting, like, you know, your opponent is going to have to expose themselves if they want to hit you, right? You don't want to be standing there in a straight, like, range three gunfight because you're going to lose that because you got range two pistols. Yeah. And then yeah. you're like, ha, 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 as they gun you down. Uh, so I think that's the biggest thing. You really, you want to get them up in a position where they can be a threat, but where your opponent has to expose themselves to, to sort of deal with that and so respond. Have mm-hmm. you seen enough tables to ever think that's going to be a possibility? I think if the tables are balanced correctly, you know, like at certain MOTF community events. Um, <laughs> <laughs> look, I definitely think it's hard. It's like, it's, it's hard. Range 2 white dice defense is tough. And... I, I think the difference is, is like, so where I made the comparison that they kind of, I would play them similar to Fleet Troopers, and I've played Fleet Troopers a fair bit, you know, not so much now, but when I did, the big thing that made them successful in those lists is that I had a lot of other aggressive threats that would get up in my opponent's face, you know, so like Luke Skywalker, um, I was running them at it for a time in a Flyboy list so with Han, so you could do Reckless Diversion, so you could force your opponent's aggro away from them. Um, but yeah, once they're there, they are... If, so long as they're not, you know, getting shot at continuously, that shot that they give yeah. is is better than, say, a phase two unit of yeah, range three. Yeah, it's, it's, it's solid, right? Um, so, I, yeah, I think just with scout troopers, it's just really... I mean, if they got a, if they got a, like, a competitive, like, price drop suddenly for, like, for a full squad, not for a strike team, obviously, but if they go for a full squad, I'd probably be more, like, more all in and be like, yeah, I'd like to see mm-hmm. them on the table because then... I think that's, for me, their, their main issue is that they're so squishy, but, man, do they cost a lot, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you're sitting there and you're like... It, it's the double drawback there. It's not, yeah. the, it's not the, oh, well, you know, they don't cost much, but they're so squishy. So it's not B1 level, like, oh, they're squishy, but, you know, I get 50 of them, so what do I care? Yeah, so, what, like, who cares if they die? You're like, no, no, I, I care if these guys die. They cost a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's nearly 100 points when you want to put a full unit with all the tech. Right, which is crazy. Um, so... Yeah, but I, I definitely think, yeah, I, I look, I, I'll tell you what, uh, for all of my why you do this to me, folks, uh, I, I, look, I will try a full scout squad with a saboteur and I'll see how it goes. Uh, I, I think that's probably the way to make them work as a full squad. Or I would say to explore the tactical strike space or both. Um, we look forward to uh, you trying that, Sheldon. I know. Uh, I, I know. <laughs> so so what I'm hearing is... He's going to go into the uh, into the office later and then pull out all of the terrain that he needs to run effectively. Oh, that's just cheat? Yeah, maybe. You know what? I, sorry, scrap that. Every, all, everything I just said, yeah, the best way to win with them, cheat. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Nailed it. Crushed it. Should have done that. We could have ended this segment 35 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, here first, folks. <laughs> So next up, uh, we have our first special guest uh, for season two, uh, Colin, or uh, AKA Colkey, uh, from all the way from Perth, all the way from over in Western Australia. Welcome to the show, Colin. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, so, uh, you know, we, we're always keen to reach out and um, uh, talk to people from around the country, um, talk to uh, people from different uh, Legion communities. Um, and for our international listeners, uh, Western Australia, Perth, where you are, um, is literally as far as you can get from Sydney. I think it's about a five-hour flight. Um, so, yeah, depending if you whip the winds or not. 
yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, so um, uh, great to uh, great to have you on the show. Um, so uh, uh, we we uh, thought we might start with um, uh, you know asking you what's the what's the Legion community like uh, over there in Perth. Yeah, so the Legion community over here is is really growing. Um, so it was very small for a long time. For, for probably the first year I was playing Legion, it was mainly just me and one other guy, uh, Matt Ed, who would play each other all the time. And I don't think I won any of those games <laughs> for about a year and a half. Um, is that Matt Shadowlord? But, is that who that is? Sorry, was that you? Is that Matt Shadowlord? Yes. <laughs> okay. Finally, yeah, I have but, a name to that person. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so unfortunately, the. We just last year after the clone sets came out, we started to really see a lot of growth. Um, we got a tournament with, uh, I think, like 20, 20 players registered just before COVID-19. And then, of course, we had to cancel that tournament. Um, so what we did do, though, is we ran a, an online tournament kind of inspired by you guys, actually, your, your development show. Um Mm-hmm. And also the inspired by the Invader League. League kind of pattern. So actually, we've got the finals for that coming up on the weekend. Um, oh, wow. And we had 14 mm-hmm. players playing online. So I just hope wow. that that translates into a more stable growing community once, um, well, now that we've started playing again. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so that, that would be a TTS uh, tournament? That's right, yeah. And um, one of the benefits of that is, is one, of our, one of our guys over here, Bob Quinn, who plays in Albany. Which is about a five-hour drive away. Mm-hmm. Um, let him let him play. So actually, he's in the finals with me on Sunday. Oh, um, wow. and he's also he was the last surviving Aussie in Invader League, just knocked out last weekend as well. So, oh, it sounds like a uh, good matchup. Uh, good luck with the final. Oh, he's going to cream me. He's running uh, the Rex Star clone balls. Mm-hmm. They're going to take to my tauntaun. That's really about. <laughs> We're getting to those uh, dirty uh, lists uh, later on. <laughs> uh, so this is a this is an online WA league. Everybody's from WA. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So I'm um, put together some prizes. Like we've got some alt art cards and stuff. We got through one of the stores, mm-hmm. and then um, I've ordered a whole bunch of um, silhouette tokens so that no one has any excuse not to play with them once we get back to real life. So I'm kind of personalizing with like a little wanted poster of the person's commander. Uh, I just, just some neat stuff like that. And also um, OTP terrain is a local place here in Perth. They do 3d printing and they've donated like a whole set, like a whole terrain set for um, Jedi city was basically like Jedi style board. So it's actually, yeah, we've got a, we've got a lot of price support for it, which is really good. Yeah. Yeah. That always uh, pulls people in. Um, so, what else did you do to to promote this online tournament? Um, you know, how did you get people to sign up? Yeah, so the Facebook group is always a good one. Um, lots of the people on the Facebook group, uh, but we also have a group here in WA called the Jawas, who previously were just like an X Wing and Legion community group, um, mm-hmm. but they're they're helping me out as well. So we're actually running the tournament through their Discord. Um, and there's a lot of cross-pollination, you know, quite a few X-Wing players who are also Legion players and vice versa. Um, so so most, mostly electronic and word of mouth. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, using, using those online medias, using your, your networks. 
Um, so when you have a game with the uh, Jawas, do you do you have to you know watch your 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 miniatures? You know, make sure nothing goes missing. Uh, that has not been my experience so far, but maybe they're just craftier than I'm aware of. Okay, okay. Just, just, maybe they've nicked off. Uh, you know, they're, they're so crafty you don't even okay. realize. <laughs> just, just go check your extra trooper minis. Yeah, yeah, they're all gone. <laughs> Uh, th- thanks for uh, uh, giving us some some tips uh, on uh, you know how to build up a legion community. I mean, you know, there's uh, certainly some some. Sorry, just, sorry, just to return to that topic. Um, one thing I, just, I kind of glossed over, but just after the Clone War set came out, one of the reasons we got such good growth is that we organised a slow grow tournament, yeah. so that people who just kind of bought into the new box sets could build their armies. Yep, yep. And that was really really yeah. successful. So you got a, we actually I think we had like nearly 30 people at the start of that. Um, you know, obviously you get a bit of natural attrition, but just the fact that you had regular games that you had to, like, build and paint for, but also, you know, a whole bunch of newer players all playing each other, you know, no one felt like they were just getting kicked. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that was really, really good, and that was helping us really grow. So um, I'll probably be doing a similar kind of development-style league now that we can play in person again soon. Um, we're starting to have some regular nights again. So uh, we've got one starting up in the northern suburbs that I've been going to. And so far, they've gone for two weeks. And each time I've played a brand new player and they've expressed a desire to buy a core set, though, unfortunately, they're all on back order since China is closed. But um, <laughs> if we had the stock in play, we'd have two more players already, which is a good sign. COVID just never stops kicking us while we're down, man. Just, just, just <laughs> Honestly, just check Mighty 8. I swear, New Zealand probably has an overstock. Jeremy would know he would he had no. checked all the places. Where did you get uh, your I, did, I didn't check Czechoslovakia. Yeah, there it is. Kyrgyzstan. <laughs> you gotta try. You gotta try all of the places. Look, alright, it all comes out in English in the end. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you can see, really see the progression there in your local community, you know, starting with um, just two guys for eighteen months, you know, kind of you know, kind of a lonely uh, eighteen months. Uh, you know, a bit sad because uh, you keep getting getting beaten by by this one one guy. Yeah. You keep on playing, and then to get to the point where you know you're getting thirty people when you slow grow. You're getting what fourteen, twenty in an online tournament. Um, you know, that's uh, that's some real progression over time. You know, it's it's all the hard work paying off. And yeah, I hope that we reach the point where it's kind of self-sustaining. You know, I think mm. games are either on a virtuous or a vicious cycle. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, you really got to put the working uh, consistently over long periods of time to 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 build up that uh, virtuous cycle, and then it becomes um, uh, self-sustaining. Yeah, and maybe I don't need to run everything anymore. <laughs> no, I, I feel that it's definitely it's definitely a very hard thing to do. I did a similar thing when Amada released. Uh, Ken and I did a lot of basically what you d- did for the WA community, where you run like slow grow and you like demo for people to get them in. And it's like it's it's almost like a like having a part time job trying to to do like all of this development for a community. And you're right, you really want it to get to a point where it can sort of sustain without your direct involvement in that way. And, you know, maybe you're still doing stuff like, you know, running tournaments or things like that, but you can be a bit more hands-off. Um, and hopefully that, that by the sounds of it, that's where you're going to be reaching soon. Yeah, and I think there's a few guys coming up who, like, will become community leaders in their own right as well, you know, so then that spreads the load. 
Yeah, that's what you, that, that, that's the real ticket. Get other people to do the work for you, Colin. That's the real, that's the money maker right <laughs> there. <laughs> that's the king of that, that particular. Yeah, that's it. Right. I agree. That's the uh, the king of getting other people to help him out. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. King of delegation. Yeah. What do you, yeah, don't, why, why are you all staring at me like this? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you sounded like it's a bad thing. God. Yeah, I get other people to help me. Oh, <laughs> Uh, so, um, I actually uh, meant to ask you this question right at the beginning, but I forgot. Uh, but, you know, now's a good time, I think. <laughs> Just to set the record uh, straight, uh, Kolke, uh, why did you say that uh, uh, Jeremy is the least experienced out of all the hosts of this show? Because yeah, yeah. it's the truth, right? Like, just... Let him answer first. It was a very, very polite and subtle way um, of commenting on some of the comments that he's made in the podcast. <laughs> that, Name uh, one. That gives Luke an opportunity to leap into an explanation of what the right thing to do is. <laughs> oh, so, so you're saying that, you know, Jeremy's making Luke look better on the show. Yes. But you that, know, it's all, but, all, but all I actually honestly appreciate it because, to be honest, a lot of the stuff that, uh, that Jeremy says that is, you know, wrong and corrected. Are the same things that I'm thinking, so I'm really glad that he's this mouthpiece for us scrubs to, uh, uh, to then gain acknowledgement from and, you know, correction. Hey, hey, hey what? <laughs> this is the best interview I've ever been involved in. <laughs> well, I was, I was like, we got to no, ask no, this I, question. I, think, I, think, I understand I'm contractually obliged to mention CanCon again in this episode, That's and I will true. point out Correct. that I only went two, three at CanCon, while I believe Jeremy did quite a bit better, so... Four, four and one and top four. Yeah, I like okay. that you had to like you, you had to say it as if you didn't know that. Like, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just setting the record straight. Fang, where did you position? Oh. I came top eight. So, so, so we've touched a nerve. It's okay, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for clarifying that point. It was very edifying and enjoyable for those of us not named Jeremy Cooper. <laughs> oh, it, it's fine for me. Well, I'm at the point now where I can still play in tournaments. Luke is now TOing because he doesn't want to play. Sure. <laughs> that sounds like a compliment. Yeah. But anyway, it. let's go back to the All right. Yeah, so, back to it. So, Kolke, you know, we talked a little bit uh, before, you know, you're, you're getting into the competitive scene with Legion. Um, so, you know, can, can you tell us a bit more about, um, you know, your – Wargaming uh, career, you know, history. Yeah, yeah, no problem. I mean, I think I sounded like everyone did with Space Crusade and HeroQuest. Um, well, certainly, a lot of us are people my age, anyway. Yeah, that was, that, that was definitely that was definitely not how I started. <laughs> <laughs> you, you being the youngest person here, Luke, yes, that makes that, sense. That, that's the joke. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, most of my wargaming has always been just like a you know a circle of mates who we would all play each other. Um, we'd spend a lot more time talking about the game than actually playing it, uh, let alone painting. Like, I don't think I painted anything for the first probably 10 years I was playing apart from undercoating some stuff black. <laughs> Look, that's half the job. Yeah, right? half done. Yeah, you, you're, you're one step away from a painted army at that just, point. Just play black armies and you're fixed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they, they weren't space wolves. I guess they were space ocelots or something yeah. out there. But, um, space panthers. Black Templars. Yeah, that's it. Problem solved. <laughs> or lamented. But yeah, um, so when, I remember when, when Legion first came out, we saw it like in a local 
the local shop as I was walking by with my wife. And I talked to her, I said, oh, look, you know, I'm already playing some Necromunda and this other game and Epic, and I don't really have time to play that game. She said, okay. And then, like, the next week, we were walking through the same shop, and I just bought it. And she said, I don't know why you ever thought that you weren't going to play this game. It's got Luke Skywalker in it. And, you know, she she was right. Yeah. And I think it's the first game that I think, especially because none of my mates wanted to play. Mm. So I ended mm. up playing with Mad Ed mostly um, at the game store, which was really kind of my first time playing outside of my house, apart from a couple of um, couple of small tournaments for Epic and stuff like that. Um, so the and it really gets me to realize what I've been missing because playing in the game store and particularly playing in organized events is. Um, so much more rewarding, I think, than, than Garage Hammer. Like, there's nothing wrong with playing with your mates, but, you know, you get trapped in that kind of group thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, you're always playing with and against the same armies and that kind of stuff, while, like, particularly going to Cancun was fantastic. So, like I said, like, I got smashed two to three, but um, this, it was fantastic. Caught up with some people I'd only met online. And then, yeah, just got to play against, like, I hadn't really played against, I played against Shorelines only once on TTS or something, or twice. Mm. And done reasonably well, like, I actually played them in Invader League, but um, I guess just some things were that my way in those games that didn't happen at CanCon, um, and I really uh, took some lessons home. But, like, mm. being able to play at that level, being able to play with people who have that same expectation, I guess, um, that you're here to play the game, Mm. is, uh, yeah, just really rewarding. And, and so much it makes the game so much better. I think one of the, the main points that I would, I guess, like for me and my like own experiences that I would circle back on, I think there's a really enjoyable part about organized play, as you said, about, you know, having that wider community and feeling a part of that and get like, you know, and forming these bigger networks with people that you're friends with that I think is really rewarding. Uh, like you said, I've had a lot of tournaments where I've met people that I've only previously, you know, spoken with online or connected with online. And it's like such a, it's such a cool thing to then be able to like go and play some games with them, have like, you know, some drinks, have like some food and you have that classic like breakdown where everyone's like talking about what went right, what went wrong, you know, post, post game day. Uh, so like, I love that. Like that for me, yeah, I agree completely. Like it's just something you can't get elsewhere. Yeah, so you're completely, you know, nerding out. It's, it's a, you know, it's KenCon. It's, it's a huge nerd fest, you know, wargaming fest. Apparently you know, you're talking to people who speak the same language. Yeah, apparently that's all I want. <laughs> <laughs> our, our lives uh, were complete uh, after KenCon. What? <laughs> well, Jeremy's life is more complete more, than the rest of us because yeah, it's he came third. Yeah, that's Reset it. the clock. It's 80%, 80% complete. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> hey, I'm looking for the next big score. <laughs> um, but I think it's like, as well, like, again, it's really, uh, like, I, I'll say, so we, we first met uh, through Invader League, um, I think, at least that's where I first can recall, like, talking to you properly. And I think, like, seeing your your journey as a player um, is like, has been really fun for me to watch because I think it sort of reflects the fun side or, like, the the fun growth that happens like as you play like more and more organized play because now, and I say this with full respect, I remember the first Invader League we played, I think it was season two and you were pretty trash, man. I'm not going to lie. You got beat up on by everyone in that pool. Um, and then I remember like I, like, I took like a season off and then I came back and I remember like we played again 
And I think, like, I think you probably, I remember feeling, I was like, damn, he deserved to win that game. <laughs> and then after that, I remember you were then on our, like, our team league. And then I was like, yeah, I can trust Colkey. He'll win. He'll, he'll win. He'll be fine. Like, you know, he's, he's solid. He's competent. And that's, like, a really fun experience, like, watching people's growth like that, I, I find, for me anyway. We talked about it in uh, because I was in the group with Psychonia, um, who's Peter, Peter Lyons, really good player, um, just last Invader League, in which I only went two and three. Um, but it happened to – I've seen it happen to Bob. So there's the guy from Adelaide, Bob Quinn, um, mm. who went to his first – in like he only started playing the game when the Corsa came out, basically, last year. You're playing Republic. Yep. Um, and he did the classic thing when his first Invader League went zero for five, but absolutely smashed in every single game. Um, and then he came back this year and he got the furthest of any Aussie through Invader League. Um, and like locally, you know, he he has to kind of play with a hand tied behind his back when he's playing locally with the, the group down in Albany because, you know, I guess he's just, he's had that experience. He's seen the different... Um, not only lists, but like, you know, play styles, strategy, how to deal with objectives, that kind of stuff that, you know, if you only just play with your mates, you might only scratch the surface. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, once you see it, you can't unsee it. <laughs> this dark, eldritch knowledge called wider gameplay. Like, <laughs> This is why people ask me why I have Invader League running in the background at work all the time. It's like, guys, if I can't play, I'm watching. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, it's, it's kind of, um, you know, playing, playing you know, throwing the ball around um, with your mates in the park um, and then, you know, you, you go play, uh, playing a comp um, and it, it's just a completely different experience. Um, yeah, know, yeah. It's, much it's, it's park hoops versus the NBA. Like, right, except I will say the slight difference is it's like, you know, normally it's not like, you know, like Michael Jordan will come down and play like in your pickup <laughs> game, which can happen. You're like, oh, yeah, don't worry. Uh, I just, I was top four at Worlds. Like, anyway, this is the first round of single limbs. Have fun. And you're like, oh, cool. This is great. Oh, I'm going to have a great time <laughs> getting absolutely yeah, destroyed. Yeah, playing Kingsley in one of the team yeah. league battles. Uh, just like, yeah, I just felt like he was gently molding me into a snowball, you know. Just, uh... <laughs> Don't mind me. I'm just about to seismic toss you into the sun. Please enjoy. <laughs> so, um... Uh, Kolke, are you going to bring a uh, WA contingent uh, to next year's KenCon? Uh, well, I'll, I'll give it a go. I'm definitely, definitely trying to put the thumb screws on Bob. But, um, yeah, hopefully we can get a few few more locals come, share the cost of the Uber, all that kind of stuff, and um, just have a, you know, because yeah, the, the, the local accommodation is really, really good. They've got this, like, dorms. Well, not quite. You don't have dorms. You get your own room and stuff, but, like, kind of a school camp kind of place um, just across the road where I stayed. You know, it comes with a cooked breakfast. You can literally just walk to the event in five minutes um, and really, really cheap. So, like, it's actually a really cheap trip for, you know, for a whole lot of value because I had a great time at CanCon. Well, I think we want to do a larger CanCon than last year or this year, I should say. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, look, it all, all depend on, like, COVID and, you know, how restrictions are or not at that time. So, yeah, we'll see how we go. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, uh, depending on, obviously, how large award, award events uh, play out. Um, but, yeah, you know, we, we, we don't have to, um, uh, you know, a, a trip to, to Cancun doesn't have to cost uh, arm and a leg. 
um, you know, if we go in with uh, maids, um, you know, if we do a bit of research beforehand, you know, sharing costs. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's a real fun um, uh, traveling with mates. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a road trip. You know, it's, um, it's, it's a wargaming uh, weekend uh, with uh, your friends. Um, you know, how, 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 can you, how, can, how, how can you top that? Yeah, it's a little bit hard to road trip for me. Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, he said road trip. I was like, oh, I don't know if I'd be road tripping that from Perth, man. <laughs> maybe, maybe Adelaide, maybe. But Some say he's still on the road to this day. <laughs> just uh, just stopping every town in between uh, Perth and, and yeah, uh, Canberra and, uh, you know, put a demo game of Legion on. Oh, my God. Seeing <laughs> those communities along the way. Coggy's like, I would. I'll, I reckon I'll get there by CanCon 2030 at this point. <laughs> I'll, see, yeah. I'll, be that, I'll be that guy who, like, rode around Australia in a store trooper outfit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the uh, Priscilla Queen of the Desert bus. But Across the Nullarbor. <laughs> yeah. The playing, <laughs> playing Legion. Nothing but Legion all the way. <laughs> You'll be, you'll be missing all the towns all the way through. Mm, mm. Uh, so um, you know when when uh, you, you know you talk you're talking about uh, playing uh, the the local uh, people, you know the the local uh, community, uh, the, the small groups, um, and you know a lot of people are the newer players. Um, uh, you know they they're not that experienced. Um, they haven't you know really. Um, had experience with uh, competitive play, you know, what, what do you think is, is important, um, you know, as a, a more experienced player, um, you know, how, how do you look after uh, the, the newer players? Yeah, so it's actually, this was, when we started to get more newer players interested, I asked Matt Ed the same question. Um, and essentially his advice came down to that when you're actually playing the game, you still try and win the game, so you still give yourself an interest point, but you want, but you aim to win the game with like eighty percent of your army having been killed by your opponent. Right, right. That's a that's a good rule. Some I like that. <laughs> so, um, I mean, definitely, I think when people are first, when people are first starting, you know, their first say, I don't know, four or five games or something, they're really still learning the rules. So, I like to kind of, I do it reasonably structured, where. Um, you know, this first, the first game, I'll, I'll choose the command card. So we won't even go into that part of the game yet. I'll just choose the battle cards or whatever and we'll play a game. Um, I'll set up opportunities and I'll tell them about them. So, like, I'm explicit with them, like, hey, this is a learning game. I'm here to help you learn. Um, you know, this is not, I'm not playing down to you. I'm not pandering to you. You're learning. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I'll do stuff and at the start of the turn I'll say, hey, have you thought about the fact that, you know, you're probably in charge range with Obi-Wan Kenobi there on that unit if that's not what you want to take, you know, uh, and, and if you wanted to do that, you want to go first by playing a one pip. And like, the, so the first game is really like coaching. Mm-hmm. And then as you progress, what you do is you, you start to, you start to play more and more, I guess, I don't know what's the word. Not really playing hard, but like you, you start to play lists that are less deliberately bad. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, you start bringing T47s after a little while and stuff like that. Um, uh, mm. But you, you're also, but you're still allowing opportunities. Like you're still giving them the opportunity to win the game if they keep their eye on the objective. Mm. And like you know, deliberately going into like you know, they call it the Luke frenzy. You know, where uh, I'm not talking about you, Luke. Talking about no, it's right, I do go into a frenzy. Um, <laughs> you should, you should see you know, when he's just uh, want to get in and kill stuff, and then um, 
and you kind of deliberately do that while allowing them to complete the objective. That's kind of the next stage mm. until it reaches the point where just you know they once they know all the rules of the game and they've got a good functioning knowledge of how to play, then um, yeah, then, then I guess you progress to the intermediate stage where. Like, I hate to use the term playing down, but it's definitely, like, if you're more experienced than your opponent and you know that you can crush them, there's no point in doing so because you don't get anything because you're just doing the same old muscle memory mm. repeat and they won't have fun. Yeah. So yeah, I think, yeah, you still need to do that. You still need to do that thing keeping in the back of your mind. I want to win the game and I want them to kill my units because anyone who walks away having, like, killed half their opponent's army is usually happy, even if they lost the game. So, yeah, but I guess that's, that's actually playing the game. But I guess getting games set up, um, so we've got a couple of places now where we're doing, we've, just, we've committed to like a, a weekly night where there will be Legion. Mm-hmm. Um, so if anyone wants to come along and play, then there's that space for them. Um, and of course, always being welcoming, you know. So when someone joins a Facebook group, like, you, you know, ask them, you know, hey, what faction are you playing, what stuff you've got, what stuff excites you? You know, um, and you leave topics that are like more sensitive, like strike teams and corner peaking, and you know um, how imbalanced tawns are and stuff like that. You, you know, you don't talk about that stuff for the first couple of months of someone playing Legion because if you do, you're kind of showing them the ugly underbelly, um, which is just kind of you know part of the. Let him finish. You always have give and take with any game. You know, no game, no game is perfect. But what makes Legion a really great game, in my opinion, is that the developers have done a really good uh, job of making all the factions feel like they're portrayed. Absolutely. You know, like Absolutely. the Empire is all about standing there and shooting you, you know, while Rebels are all about kind of hide, hiding and scurrying and completing the mission at all costs. Gonna say and those are the things that, like, get people to play the game and get people to keep playing the game is that, you know, you have units that act on the table like you imagine they will. Um, and the units as well, you know, the, the the units feel like you know how how they um, would be in the movies. I mean, you know, except for B twos. <laughs> Don't at my steely boys like that. I'm, I'm always, I'm always surprised every time I actually manage to get a wound through armor on B twos and then pick up white dice. I'm like, oh yeah, they roll terrible dice. You're like, oh, yeah, God damn it, they're going to die. <laughs> what do you mean, your steely boys? I got three units. How many yeah. do you have? Just because they, they, they kind of give that impression of being like implacable and defeatable, particularly yeah, totally. when they've got like super heavy cover or whatever, and you're just like, oh, I'm just not getting anything through. And then, you know, you get one of those spike rolls and they have to roll four defense dice and suddenly the unit just starts to drop. Yeah. crumble. Well, I don't know. And like the other thing as well, I don't know if you ever played like Star Wars Republic Commando, but the the super battle. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. You know how they are. They are scary boys in that game. Right. And that's how you feel like they should be. And then you're like, what do you mean? They're getting mooked. What, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> I can understand the lightsaber cutting them up, but like the dude with the random blaster running across the field trying to duck. How did he do it? How did he do it? Ah. <laughs> so, uh, I, I really like um, your your phased approach um, in um, introducing the game to a new player, in you know, kind of coaching them through. Um, so you know, it's it's very structured um, in the beginning. You're you're deliberately taking a uh, a non-competitive list, you know, list with uh, filled with what we would call trash units. What? <laughs> um, and then you slowly kind well, it's of. Also, it's also- well, like the big thing, um, 
you know, if you want to attract players, mm. make sure that on your table you have things like the ATST, the T47, um, you know, and soon to be the AAT tank um, when we start to see them on the table it's because they're, they're big units people can see from across the room and they scream Star Wars. Yeah. You know, so the, the problem with playing the Rebel Faction, like, is if someone's walking past your game and they don't actually see the lightsaber, all they see is a bunch of little army men. Yeah. Which could be any game. Yeah. Well, if they see stormtroopers, if they see ATSCs, if they see the T forty seven, you know, they're going to come over and say, "Oh, what are you? Wow, what are you playing?" Mm-hmm. No, I, I definitely agree, um, and I think it's interesting. I, I I definitely feel your point. I think a better way, or at least what I find when I'm I'm demoing games, or you know, as you said, playing someone that's at a like a lower skill level, it's not that you're playing down or playing intentionally bad lists. What I normally like to do is I personally like to take lists that I know are probably suboptimal, but I'm trying to find like a new trick or learn how I can best leverage like a unit that I wouldn't normally play. And then that I find as the, the more experienced player then also generates like more interest for you as well in that game, because now, now you're like trying to learn something still. Um, and so like, then you're both in that learning journey together, just at, like obviously very different points and for different. That's why you play Bobber against Jeremy. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Look, look. He doesn't want to talk about it. <laughs> Sorry, Jeremy. I do love you. Yeah, yeah. He's the he, he said you're the voice that he wants on the show. Like, yeah. what more higher <laughs> praise can there be? I know, right? I, I, I'm the people's person. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's, that's exactly what we're saying. I do find it. I did find it interesting though during your discussion of of you know what you do, like sort of to welcome new players. The, the real smartass within me couldn't help but feel like it almost sounded like he was like dating them. Like, you know, they come in on the channel, it's just like, hey, like, what do you like? What are you into? Like, <laughs> what, what really excites you? You know, like, and, and then it's, then he was just like, you know, and then you sort of slowly, you don't start off with like the strike teams and all it's the like bad a- stuff. <laughs> you know, you gotta, you gotta show them the best you you can be before. Like, yeah, and then once they love almost like wargaming is about human social interaction or something. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, <laughs> but it just made me giggle a lot. Like the whole time. Uh, Watching him here like a schoolboy. Yeah, well, that's it. It was great. But um, I think that is a mistake some people make, though. You see some people who, you know, they generally want to do the right thing by the new player. And they basically start by trying to give them good, efficient lists. Hmm. But new players don't care about a good, efficient list. Some do. There'll be some who do, who particularly experienced wargamers already. Hmm. But most of them, they're playing the game because they saw a unit or something else that inspired them and they want to play it. Yeah. It's the cool factor. Yeah. Definitely. Um, you know, like if this wasn't Star Wars Legion, if this was like, you know, uh, Robot Fight 5000 with some unrecognizable IP, I'm not sure I'd be playing the game, no matter how good it is, because I just, I would never have had that initial spark. No, no, I definitely agree on that. Yeah. If it was, I mean, I mean, Robot Fight 5000 does sound like a great potential IP. <laughs> let's, let's register right now. now yeah, let's, let's get in on that shit. Get Jeremy, register the website, Robot Fight 5000, right now. Um, uh, it's no, really it's, it's, it's in the one month for 2097 universe. Yeah, they were beautiful. Like, I'm already hooked. Um, <laughs> this is the part where the voice of reason just says, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Um, so, so give them what they want, you know, give the people what they want, you know, the, all the cool stuff. Give them mm. the Star Wars experience when they have their first game of Legion. Absolutely. So, like, both these, both these demo games I've played in the last two weeks, coincidentally, the other players, everyone has ended up killing most of my army. 
That's that's wild. I don't know how that could have happened. Amazing. <laughs> I mean, if you knew Obi Wan's rules, I, I don't know how that, that that happens. Even when you're not trying, I I, I don't understand. <laughs> so I guess uh, I guess uh, like something else that we were sort of talking about is how do you then like you sort of talked about in our Discord before about you know filthy lifts and when and where to use them. What, what do you, what are your thoughts on them? Yeah, see, that's really interesting. I guess because particularly in that. When you're in that garage gamer mode, like it's all about being socially acceptable to your friends, you know. So you, you kind of have group think about what's cheese, and no one's bring cheese. No one brings cheese, and you kind of have that mindset. So you basically like wall yourself off from all of the better units. The only cheese is on the pizza. So, so we know that Fang doesn't make friends with Legion. <laughs> <laughs> the, only, the only cheese is on the pizza, he said. Or I guess in other, any other way you want to consume it. It could be a nice cheese platter. Like, it could be. Yeah, he, you, don't, you don't know. Fancy. Yeah, Cole could be a bougie little garage gamer. You don't know. Like, yeah, the, yeah. the best way, yeah, it's a, the smelly cheese is stuck in your beard because you're a beardy, cheesy player. There, <laughs> there we go. So I guess we should define, like, what is a filthy list to you? Is it, like, a list that is, you know, like, really on meta? So what I'm talking about is a list that's made of basically very efficient units that work very well together and stuff that is either universally agreed to be above the curve Mm. or is using some kind of rules interaction which seems like the developers probably didn't intend it. Right. Mm. which, you know, you see in a lot of games, um, thanks to a bit less in Legion. Um, but it's the kind of thing that, you know, you expect to win a tournament with that you, you, you're taking because, you know, that's, you're looking for basically your best chance, what you think is the strongest list you could take mm-hmm. to win a tournament. Um, and it's not the only consideration, obviously. Like, I'm, you know, if you're talking about that magic thing, I'm a Timmy. I'm, I'm, it has to have Luke Skywalker in it. Um, that's that's the number one rule, but mm-hmm. definitely a list of like triple tauntauns, triple strike team, triple naked rebel troopers. You know, um, so it's not necessarily exploitative, but it is very good. Um, and you know, a net list or a cookie cutter or whatever other name you want to use for something that's kind of universally acclaimed as a good list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so this happened to me in one of my games at CanCon. Um, where, like, I was playing as someone else. It was fairly deep in the tournament. It wasn't my first game. But we got to the stage where, like, I'd kind of, I'd hit a flank hard with the three Tauntaun units, and this guy was really crestfallen. Like, he mm. he couldn't stop it. He was obviously trying to, but couldn't stop himself complaining about how OP Tauntauns are. And, like, sure, I acknowledge, yeah, they're, they're, they're probably too good, um, particularly they were at the time before other stuff had come out. Yes. And they're, but, uh, like, it really made me feel bad. Like it, and it kind of pushed me out of like trying to compete mode into playing down to a newer player mode. Mm. Not saying that he was a newer player, but it just you know it shifted the mindset. Suddenly, suddenly I wasn't playing a game. Suddenly I was hurting someone, and so I didn't want to hurt someone. I needed I needed to change how I was playing to give them agency in the game, mm. and I ended up losing as a result because I, you know, took the foot off the gas to mm. use that analogy. Right. And I mean, maybe like it, it, upset, it upset me a bit, um, yeah. mainly because you know, like I didn't want to feel like I was being the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tough situation. I remember, I think we talked about it at dinner like that night um, afterwards, or, or sometime in the afternoon, and it was like it was pretty clear that that had you know like emotionally impacted you that game um, on some level. 
I would say. And, and, obviously, and obviously emotionally affected him too, right? So like it's not, it's definitely not a like a good guy, bad guy thing because he was obviously upset because I could tell he was trying not to mention it. He just couldn't help himself because he was so upset himself. Well, I mean, he, he played the ultimate card, which is winch to win. Yeah, he got you. He, tre- he layered you deep, man. <laughs> no, but like, but no, like all jokes aside, which is like a perfectly, you know, unsurprising response, right? Like if you're, if you feel like you have no agency, like even if you lose, if you feel like you've had agency in that loss, I think that's a lot easier to bear. Um, and you can sort of see like, oh, if I'd done this differently, if I'd done that differently, it's the ones where you're like, I don't even know what I could have done here that are really hard emotionally, I think, as a player to deal with. And so, yeah, I guess my expectation going in is that CanCon's a big tournament, um, and particularly by the time I'm two or three games in, playing people on a kind of similar win-loss, which, by the way, was not that good at that point. I think it was 2-2. Mm. Um, that I wouldn't run into that. I would run into people with a similar mindset to me who didn't mind seeing anything across the table. Right. Yeah, I mean... <clears throat> You know, I, I uh, was at a CanCon, you know, I played, um, uh, you know, kind of all, all sorts of um, players. Uh, so, you know, people who were um, reading to the competitive side and people who really weren't, you know, um, played people who, um, uh, you know, didn't really take a, take a, a, a efficient uh, list, um, you know, didn't really seem to kind of have a, uh, clear strategy um, in the game, um, but they had a great time. Um, you know, they were just happy being there in a big tournament, in a big convention, rolling dice. Um, so, you know, so I think, you know, that that's, um, I guess, the, the reality we uh, come across um, in tournaments, you know, because it, it's a public tournament, anybody can enter. Um, so you know we, we get the we, we get the whole whole range of uh, war gamers there. Yeah, which is unfortunate because that's how Jeremy was able to play. Whoa, whoa, whoa! The only guy I lost to was the guy that came first. Don't don't at me like that, bro. Uh, no, I, I I definitely I definitely agree. Wow, even I don't know where that came from. I'm sorry. That was. It's all right. He's just gearing up for the next bat rep because then he's going to have to invite me on and he knows that I now have like every toy under the sun. It's true. He's gearing up for the Rex Star Doom. Um, <laughs> no, I, I do think it's like a really interesting thing and I don't, I, don't, I don't necessarily think there's a right or wrong answer. Like I think there's like when it comes to a tournament or to organized play, I think we can all pretty universally say that in a, a casual setting, be it in a, in a you know, home garage or a, just at your game store, you know, bringing a cheese list when your opponent, you know, isn't like a friend and, you know, you could expect that from you or they know that you're preparing for a tournament or it isn't agreed beforehand, I would say is generally considered a bit of a dick move, right? If you just sort of spring on your opponent who's just there on like a Thursday night, just knocked off from work, just wants to have a bit of good time, roll some dice and you're just like, hey, what's up? I'm going to curb stump you for the next two hours. The game will be decided in the first 15 minutes, but we're just going to play it out to confirm that I've crushed you. Like, that's a dick move, but, like, and we can all pretty universally say that, but when you get to the tournament level, that's where I think it gets a lot more gray because I think your response can be, like, like for me personally, I, like, my, like, I'll be pretty transparent. If there's a world invite online, like, on the line, I, I'm, I'm of the opinion of, like, I... I understand your exact situation where you said you're like you know you're you're playing this opponent you're cry, you know it's it's going badly for your opponent you can see that it is emotionally impacting them 
But I, I have to admit, I would feel bad because I, I do not like hurting people. But if there's a world's end right <laughs> on the line, I, I have been you. I have been that person that's eased up off the gas. I learned my lesson. I'm like, no, nah, I'm like, I'm going to see you at the finish line and then we'll commiserate afterwards because that's the reason I'm here. Like, that's the objective I'm working towards. Uh, and now, obviously, I have other objectives. Like, I want to have fun. I want to meet people. But when we're playing at the table, like, that's why I'm there. You know, I think um, it depends on the context. It depends on the situation. So, you know, when when you're, say, you know, 4-0 and at a big tournament, um, you know, you're, you're trying to get that world thing right. You're trying to make the, the top cut. Or even, you know, the first round, mm. right? You know, you're starting off in the tournament. Obviously, you're trying to, trying to win. Um, so, you know, then... Uh, there, there's there's more importance uh, placed on winning um, during the game, um, and then you know we can talk afterwards. Um, you know you can uh, uh, kind of you know be De- supportive, debrief. right? Yeah, you know, debrief. Yeah. Um, you can have a drink. Um, you know after uh, after the the day of games. Um, you know, Koki. You know when you're two and two at KenCon, you know so there, there's no world invite. On True. The well, um, and then, you know, you. I did really want to be top half, though. See, see, that's right. what it is. Right. See, I was literally. I was, <laughs> it's, it's it's not the world's invite, then it's the position. So yeah, coming from that, like going into fifth round at CanCon, just to to give you guys that heads up, I was fucking devo because I was not making top cut because I just lost my fourth game. Right. But I was still batting for a top eight finish. I, yeah, I was literally. I, I don't know what it is. Like, I guess it's like if it's a premier event. If there's like if it's something on the line. Even if I'm like fifth round at, at an event and I've lost all four games, you and be- you're exhausted, and you better believe that I'm trying to win that fifth game, and I'm, I'm going to be like, "Hey, yeah, I'm rolling this." Like, I mean, obviously, if I've lost the first four games, it can't be that great, or I can't be that great with that list. But you know, it's like, yeah, I'm running this cheese list anyway. Uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Do you agree that I'm exactly range two away, so your loot can't charge me? <laughs> You know, something like that. I don't know, like, because I, like, I would not be at all surprised if people were just like, "Well, that's because you're a competitive motherfucker," and I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. And people who say, "No, that's not the reason why I'm there," I also agree and I respect that. But I think when you're at a, a tournament, that's where it starts to get great because then you have these different, like, player motivations coming yeah. into sort of collision with each other. And I don't really know if there's a right or wrong answer. Um, and, and what it, I guess what I find can be difficult as the person who is, like, competitive is, you know, I've seen a lot of talk thrown at competitive players that it's like, you know, there's a difference between competitive and wanting to win and, you know, wanting to, like, win at all costs. Like, I'm not actively going to be trying to be a dick. I'm not going to be, like, you know, a jerk to my opponent. I'm not going to make, you know, except unless they're Nick. Then, then, then all bets are off. Then I'll, then I'll talk all the smack to his face and behind his back. But or, or, or me apparently because hey it's just yeah take it as a sign of love uh, but you know you know I, mean? I don't know like I, I just I see a lot of people sort of throw these like they lump all competitive players and say like no, no none of you actually want to have fun and you're like no I do I just also want, want to win. win yeah that's part of the fun I, I came here for a purpose yeah like I, I'm fulfilling that purpose even if I'm having fun yes correct I think you know there, there's no obligation to ease up if you're playing a tournament um you know it, it's a competitive event 
think the the common sort of social contract there, the common expectation is, you know, everybody would be trying to win, you know, trying to compete and and get a you know the best record they can, get the best placing they can um, in in the tournament. Um, so then I think you know it just comes down to individual choice. You know where are your priorities? Mm. Um, you know how how does your your various priorities stack up against each other? Um, so you know when you're two and two, you know how, how like um, how how much is you know coming in the top half of a tournament worth to you? Mm. Uh, comparing that to um, you know kind of not causing another human being <laughs> um, some more. They, they say they say. Yeah, 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 Yes. If yeah. I just, you know, um, but I didn't like that. Suddenly, it kind of yanked me out of the game I was playing, and that's that's, I guess, what. Right, and now you feel like you're playing almost like a different game. You're not yeah. just playing the game; you're also trying to like, yeah. It, I've totally that's been the, games that's like the that. rote learning from that garage play because that was the big thing dropping out of 40k and 30k that I had going into Armada pre Legion where I was playing the same four or five people and you'd get into a game and if they go, oh, well, you've got X, Y, and Z in your list, there's no way to win. You're like, well, there is. We're just going to play a softer game now because you're like, oh, I don't want to go too hard on this guy. Yeah. I I don't know. I think it's interesting where, like, you say, Fang, that, like, the, you know, everyone knows, like, the social contract, but I actually sort of disagree slightly in a sense. I think the reason why it's so difficult and why, like, we spend a lot of time talking about it and thinking about it as players is because... I feel like you have almost like the what you can do legally, like at a tournament, right? Which in the tournament documents is, you know, you should expect everyone to be an experienced player, to be trying to play to win, blah, blah, blah. And then you have the social contract, which people have different understandings of. And I think that that friction, right, between like what is legal and what is moral and then how people's moral, like moral systems interact with that and how they differ, that's where it can be interesting. Um, like... 30 lists of uh, Tontons all going to the same tournament because you're all jerks. Yeah, because you're all jerks and stuff like that. But, yeah. So, I mean, what, what was your takeaway from that experience? Like, how did, what would you do now if you, if you found yourself in a similar position? Well, it's, yeah. I mean, I think, I think one thing that you said to me at the time, Luke, stuck with me, is that, like, it's not a time to take prisoners. And I was thinking about it afterwards because, you know, if I reverse my position, I'm the other dude. Who like it's the last you know, and, and is and is getting hit by something that I think is overpowered. Well, um, does it actually make me feel that much better if I win versus lose? Like I think if you're feeling that way, you're going to feel that way, and and if you if you win, you're like, oh, geez, you know, I managed to pull that out. Well, if you lose, like, oh, just just like I expected. Yeah. You know, so, so I guess I guess what I'm trying to say there is that I think I sh- I should have just won. I should have just tried my best to still win. Mm. Um, and yeah, I guess, I don't know, um, just, you know, emote with the guy. Yeah. Uh, my, my go-to is that, um, if I feel like the other person lost and it wasn't really that close is I talk about all the times I rolled amazing dice and they rolled terrible dice. <laughs> That's it. Give them that external outlet, Colky. And it's everyone yeah, reaching and, for it. And, like, this, is, this is a two-way street as well. Like I, um, when people do it to me as well, and I know exactly what they're doing, I know that they're doing it not because they think really the dice control the game, but because they want to give me that out. And I don't mind taking that out. You know, sometimes <laughs> you just need a cuddly blanket to, to nurse your bruised ego until yeah. you can, you know, a couple of hours later kind of wake up to yourself and realize what you did wrong. 
yeah. So, so you both know it's alive, but it's warm and cuddly. Yeah, so you take okay. it, right? yeah, right, right. It's this blanket. Of, you're right. I don't suck. You're right. It was the dice. Yeah, you're not even that good a player. Yeah, like, yeah. If, if, if Luca just rolled his saves, damn it. Damn. Like ignore the yeah, fact. Never that, mind that I put him in front of my opponent's entire army. Yeah. You know, after he murdered some squad in the first activation of second turn or something like. Yeah. Irrelevant. Irrelevant details. Irrelevant. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, I think you make a good point there. There's, there's, you know, many ways to be a decent human being. You know, um, be a be a decent fellow war gamer uh, without necessarily having to kind of, you know, almost um, throw a match. Well, I, I think that's the other thing as well for me. If, if I'm on the receiving end, is I, I emotionally would feel really bad if I ended up winning that game and I felt like it was because my opponent started making suboptimal moves. And took their foot off the gas. Took their foot off the gas, and then I've come in and just been like, "Surprise, bitch!" Like, (laughs) you know, if you win for two thirds of a game, and then suddenly everything starts going your way. Yeah, but the difference is, is when I'm like whinging the whole time, I still expect that I'm in with a shot. It's when I like the times where I feel bad is where I legitimately think I'm going to lose, and then I end up winning, and then I'm like, "Wow, Nick, you did get screwed there a little bit." (laughs) (laughs) Or when you don't play the cards right. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I, like, I think that's a really interesting point, though, um, about that whole sort of... I, I think it's a difficult situation to deal with, like, on either side. So, Kolki, um, I think it's time to wrap up this interview. A lot of um, interesting discussions. Um, thank you for sharing your wisdom, sharing your experiences. Uh, I'm, I'm serious. That was not a joke. <laughs> Um, it, it's great to, to hear about, um, you know, what's going on literally on the other side of the country. Um, it's, it's good to hear the, the Legion community is uh, thriving over there. Uh, we uh, we uh, wish you all the best um, uh, in the future with uh, your community. And uh, we look forward to following your progress on the uh, KenCon road trip uh, from Perth to I, Canberra. I look forward to seeing you at some time in 2025. Like, it'll be great. <laughs> yeah, on the other side of the bubble. Yeah, yeah, there it is. There it is. <laughs> Thanks very much, guys. I really appreciate you having me on, and I really appreciate everything that you're doing to uh, support the Legion community, not just in Australia, but, like, worldwide. And um, keep making episodes... Yeah, we, we're known as Mr. Worldwide. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, just move over Pitbull. <laughs> this this trio right here, we're Mr. Worldwide coming at you with another smash hit. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Thank you, Colky. Thanks, Colky. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Until next time. <clears throat> Welcome back to I'm One with the Force. And the, the Force, Force is with me. me. <laughs> Our play development series. So we got um, a uh, special one to, to start off the series uh, today. So Luke, uh, why don't you tell our audience what it is? Yeah, so we were just going to be real simple. We were just going to remind you all to just get better. That was it. <laughs> that was the entire segment. No, 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 no. That wasn't in the plan. No, no, no. Let me no, check no. the plan. That no, wasn't no, in the plan. No, no, no. That's not how the Force works. <laughs> Uh, How would you know? (laughs) So today we're going to talk about uh, target priority, 
Uh, it should be, so compared to the quite laborious and intense philosophical discussions that filled up season one's player development series, we're kind of hoping that this, uh, you know, now that we've covered the real foundational topics that always take more time, they're going to be sort of quicker, shorter, snappy bites. Uh, so what do we mean by target priority? So target priority is basically how you're selecting the like units for your, like in your opponent's army uh, to target, like what you are shooting at and why, and what's influencing those choices. And it's something that a lot of players... You mean then just, you know, pick the closest unit? Yeah, or like, screw that guy in particular right. for no reason. It's it's the, the usual what, who, when, how, and why questions yeah. that you're looking at there. Yeah, so. exactly. Uh, and, you know, and target priority is like a really important part of the game because if you get it wrong, then it's going to dramatically lower your chances of success because it will basically allow your opponent to stay in the game for longer, right? If you're If you're hitting them where it hurts at the right time, then it makes it much harder for your opponent and they're forced into a sort of reactive state where, you know, when you're playing the game, you expect to lose part of your force generally all the time. And it's more about which parts you lose and when and why. Mm-hmm. And so target priority is about making sure that you're doing that correctly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What what gains are you making off a loss? So yeah. I, I'm expecting to expend, because everything is a resource, I'm expecting to expend X number of u- trooper units or X number of wounds getting to this point part of the game yeah this objective this spot in the on the field to kill that unit i'm going to expend x am i getting y out of it what are my net returns yeah and y always generally needs to be higher than x (laughs) uh in some way or at least on par yeah uh so i would say uh generally speaking in terms of the sort of overarching uh priority there's sort of two phases of the game. I would say early to mid-game, your target priority is based on what will cost your opponent the most amount of resources, you know, whether that's wounds, whether that's activations, whether that's, uh, you know, like high-value targets really generally include commanders and, you know, like powerful characters because not only are they normally your opponent's heaviest hitters, but they also have the additional resource of command cards and leadership bubbles, things like that. Mm-hmm. Dealing out suppression to take away activations is, again, another resource. You know, it's something we've referred to before, I believe, on the War Corgi uh, channel. They had a really great video about the sort of uh, attrition of war. And so your early to mid-game is categorized by that sort of attrition focus, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're trying to prioritize the targets who's, like, you know, targeting... Uh, and diminishing will cost your opponent the most amount of resources, whatever that is. Right, right. Mid to late game, that normally starts to shift, and your priority becomes more focused on objective play, right? You you might have a unit that you could kill that would cost your opponent a lot of resources, right? Like, you might be able to kill their commander Luke and get rid of a really strong unit, kill an activation, get rid of command cards, but... In mid to late game, normally you're more concerned about what will, you know, either score you objectives or deny your opponent objectives. Mm-hmm. So it becomes more focused on that guy's holding the box, I need to kill him, or I need to prevent this unit from getting in range to score, or something like that. And so that's normally, I would say, is the two distinct phases of the game. Now, normally, you know, that doesn't mean like early on you shouldn't, you know, if, if you can kill a unit carrying the box, like turn one, do it. Or, or late game, if there's like a really important thing that might impact your own ability to score objectives, kill that too. But it's just sort of those are the general, I find, two phases of the game. Yeah. Early to mid, you're focusing on diminishing your opponent's resources. And mid to late, you're focusing on, you know, objective play. 
And there's there's yep. a lot of caveats around that. So things like if a unit's activated, is it worth shooting? If a unit's if you're looking at the table and you're seeing units that are going to move into a specific spot, are you going to shoot them at that point? You know, when, when do you when do you prioritize that particular unit over another unit or what resources do you allocate to getting something to do something else? Correct. And so I think, uh, you know, and that's sort of like the sort of the next part of target priority is you sort of develop as you play and you it, it's sort of, I guess, hard to break down in completeness, but you develop a bunch of, I would say, maxisms or uh, maxims, sorry, and truisms. So things that generally speaking are true. And, you know, so examples of this, as Jeremy pointed out, is normally you are better off targeting units that are yet to activate on a turn than units that have activated. And for the simple reason that the unit that has activated has already resolved all of the information that it's going to provide on its turn, like for this round. Where it's already provided its value. For the yeah, it, it, it's added its value. The only the only exception to that rule, and it's, it's list dependent, entirely list dependent, is when you're running a suppression list, in which case they've already activated, they've already tried to remove suppression, and the whole idea of a suppression list is to pump more on. So whatever's there, you're adding to it. So suppression lists work a little bit against the, the, the grain of trying to remove wounds. Yeah. They're, they're trying to add... Suppression. add suppression into everything so in that instance targeting activated units is not so much the key but it's the target priority can shift a lot more easily and fluidly from a unit that hasn't activated yet if you can lay down enough suppression to make the next turn for the unit that's sitting there harder Mm-hmm. I was looking for a better word than that. More if, difficult. Yeah, if you can make it more difficult, if you can make a unit, say, for example, a character's already gone, and it's it's not in the open, and you've but you've got a mortar that's lined up, and you've got a mortar that's lined up to, say, a sniper strike team, but it, it's only going to hit one sniper. You're going to do two suppression, maybe a wound to that one sniper, which is cool because you might kill the sniper. They're going to clear one suppression, still get both their actions. Mm. That one character can have something else shoot at it, and then you've put three suppression on it. And in that instance there, and this, again, is my only caveat to, to flipping it from the usual, mm. that one character having three suppression on it, nine times out of ten, I can only think of one HQ slot or two. HQ. Well, I mean, your, your point, yeah. we understand your point. You don't it, need to go into it, it, the, it's, like, it's, this exception and this exception. What it, if they have the, endurance? Did you think of that? Yeah, <laughs> it's, the, it's the activation bubble of... Most things are in, in courage two or courage three, and once you can start piling it on, mm. you're gonna you're gonna want to do that. So your target priority itemization shifts in a suppression list, and that's the only major caveat to I want to remove wounds off the board. I'm I'm really glad he ended with that. The that's the only caveat because I was literally gonna say the only thing I disagree with everything you just said is that's the only exception, <laughs> right? Because there's tons of exceptions where it's like if a unit's activated and it's like if that unit survives this turn, I lose the game. Kill that unit, right? Like that's an obvious exception. <laughs> Things like that. But I would say, in general, like and as you said, uh, you know, activated units are less valuable. They're not as high in the order of operations of target priority. The except, general exception being if you have a lot of suppression in your list, and it's about how you sort of apply that suppression, you know, diminish the sort of opponent in that way. So things like that uh, are generally important. Um, what else? What are some other like priorities? Um, again, it really just comes down to sort of how you value 
certain resources over others. And it's, again, it's difficult because it's one of those things that just comes with sort of like player judgment. And mm-hmm. list dependencies. Yeah. So a big one there is, and we, we had this discussion beforehand, um, at the the list that I took to, to CanCon. Uh, uh, reset yeah. the clock. Yeah. All right. In, in this instance, it's more of a, um, a prevalence. Uh, it's more of, you know, prevalent here. The target priorities were the ATST and BOSC, even though my general was Viz, and right. I had a whole list of uh, shore troopers and suppression and snipers, and I had every toy you could play with, but the two things that did the most damage in a turn, every turn, were the ATST and BOSC. So there's two major threats. Yeah. And so that, and like, and that's definitely, I think that comes back to, in general, if you can, uh, you know, if you can hit high value targets, that's always better. And, you know, and, you know, some people might be like, well, what's a high value target? And as Jeremy's identifying, it's, you know, the heavy hitters, the, the, the units in a list that carry it, right? That really give it that staying power, that oomph. Uh, so things like characters, operatives, vehicles are often really good examples. And normally because they also cost a lot of points, right? If you can, mm-hmm. if you can shoot a six-wound character who's worth 200 points and kill them, you know, that could be just as easy or as, you know, killing a core unit that has the same amount of wounds and has the same armor save but will gain you much less. So if you can hit high-value targets, that's generally... Shockingly, that should be you know higher up in your your target priority. Yeah, and then I think other considerations in that then sort of fall down to you know your own resource pool and what you can commit to it. Yeah, and so um, you know like you might have competing concerns. You might be like, I could put you know suppression on this commander, which would make it unlikely for them to get two actions next turn, or I could remove this activation, and that's sort of where it comes down to player experience and judgment about. You know, both of those might will almost certainly help your chances of victory, and it's just more about having a fundamental understanding of the game state and knowing, okay, this this might give me a five percent greater edge or not. You know, yeah, and you'll never think about it in that terms. It's more for me, at least, it's more of a gut feeling. Like this will give me stronger returns. Yeah. Which one is the the better? Which one is the better option in the end? Which one do I get more reward out of? Yeah, but as long as you're thinking about what I'm getting out of it, you can sort of avoid that classic I just need to kill stuff yeah. mindset because, you know... Legion is not about kill. Well, tabling your opponent is a victory, but Legion is about objective play. Generally. And it's sort of about, as I said, that's why I think there's sort of two distinct phases. One where it's about diminishing your opponent's resources and one is where you sort of get into that nitty-gritty stage of the game and you're, you and your opponent are both looking at the path to victory and it's just like, oh, if I don't kill this unit, I lose. Yeah. So then you focus on that. A big thing with that is, and you touched on this when we did the ATST segment last episode, was the threat of a unit, not just its high its high value target, but its perceived value. Yeah. So if your opponent's using, say, a unit of rebel troopers, and their perceived value is crap normally, like mm. it's, it's forty points. We use them for gap filler in most rebel armies, but if it's carrying the weight of say two or three units, you might actually think about diverting resources towards that because your opponent is using them in either a way that you haven't anticipated or luck is really on their side or something has gone right for that unit that something that hasn't gone right for every other unit in the in its army and it's it's carrying it so it could be doing just as much work as Luke and if you're not shooting that unit I'm sorry I'm really curious in this are you saying if your opponent has a unit roll hot you're like I'm going to kill that unit sometimes I love you man <laughs> 
Never do that. No. <laughs> Unless you believe in luck that hard. No, no. But if you think, like, I, I'm not saying luck all the time, but I'm saying if a unit has rolled really hot and it, it is in, in a position to actually contribute more to the game than it would normally do, yeah. would you prioritize it over, say, something that's not rolling, another unit that's not rolling as hot and is not contributing as much? It, it, I, I see Fulcrum Nick shaking his head as a yeah, no. Yeah, so, yeah, 100%. For me, like, so, what I said was right. Thank you for being a... Uh, okay. a it's the same pool of dice your yeah. opponent's rolling from. It's a literal... It's a, it's, it's, the dice doesn't know which unit... Yeah, being no, no, no. But you have had this... You, you'll you all have had experiences before where, say, you know, outside of using a Tonton unit, something is rolling super hot in one fashion. Never and, impacted my targeting, ever. Really? Never. Yeah, it's actually it's a like I, I'm gonna lay, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna lay down some truth. It's called the hot hands fallacy, which is and it normally comes from sports where it's like if someone's making a bunch of three three throws, people tend to think like oh this person's gonna keep making the three throws even though that, that has no statistical bearing on the outcome. It's probably not the best uh, comparison. It is right because uh, no no because the, the, the part that I the part that I added that you've missed is. They're still contributing, right? And right. have a greater chance of contributing, right? So what you've said is, yeah, cool. They're going to keep going down the same path, and I've gone. And my mine was, no, no, no. They're going to actually add value. Do you then prioritize them over something which is not adding as much value? My no. my, my only time where I would say yes is if them doing something like so. Your opponent's stuff is always going to be impacting your stuff, generally. Like you're going to be losing resources as you play the game. And if it's like, yeah, they got a hot roll with a four-man rebel trooper unit and it jacked up a unit, unless that unit is somehow going to impact the, like, and I mean directly, like if they're going to pick up a box or kill one of my box guys, no, I'm not targeting them. But if it's like they're in a spot where they could now kill the guy who's holding the box who wins me the game, yes, then I agree. I would definitely do it. I think the second half of your point was more was more apt is that if they're in a position to contribute directly to your opponent winning significantly, like more than other units, that's when you type. But if they're just hot, no, never, never, never factors for me. But it's how you define value, right? So right. Do you define value as that unit's rolling hot dice, or do you define value? But as I say, if that's how you define value, that's, well, I, I generally I'm define value as that unit that's uh, still sitting there on full health when everything else is diminished. Yes, I define that unit as having a higher. Value. Yeah, it's a very different. I would agree you with sh- that. You can shift the goalpost all you want now. All right, but you said if hey, you were rolling hot, it, and I said no. That no, would never normally, normally a unit that's on full health in say turn four is rolling hot, right? Yeah. Let's let's be honest. No, uh, with uh, anyway, look, it, we're, we're we're getting off in the weeds here. We're losing we're losing track. Um, that's what they come here for. That yeah, there's all, all the diversions. Uh, I I think that's basically it. Really, is uh, you know I, I'm I'm finally I think I'm getting what you're saying because uh, I'm remembering something I've done before. Uh, so you know when when something's really running really hot, when dice is running really hot or really cold. It makes you want to keep targeting that unit, mm. or it makes you want to keep using the the same unit in your army. Right. You know, I had I had a game where different different uh, game infinity where my attack dice just went really cold on my main piece. Right. Right. And then I just kept pumping dice, pumping attack into that main unit. Right. And it's you know it, it's an emotional reaction. 
Yeah. You know, it's like I've sunk so much investment. To, total sunk cost unit. fallacy right, right there, man. Yeah. Yeah. But it, but it, and it's an interesting thing, right? Because it does come back to like human psychology and it's basically just that like when, when a certain result happens, people expect it to continue to happen, right? And so that's the whole point. If the unit's rolling hot, natural human tendency is to assume that it's like lucky or special or different and will continue to roll hot. Mm-hmm. And if you play like enough games and you roll enough dice, you'll see like a unit that goes hot the whole game. Mm-hmm. But it's not that the unit is different. It's just that there was a rant, like, you know, you just got statistically wildly lucky or as an opponent, statistically mm-hmm. wildly unlucky. But that has no that has no bearing on each individual dice roll result, right? Yeah, yeah. So say they they roll every single save, um, and now it's round four, round five, and you know every instinct, every emotion is telling you keep pumping attacks into that unit. I really want to kill that unit, but what, what should uh, influence your targeting priority? I think is. Well, again, Where, where's that unit on the table? Yeah. You know, are they contesting your objective? Are you, yeah. they threatening your objective? So that was the point there. Again, mm-hmm. if, if you're pumping dice into something and it's not adding value to the rest of the game, then your priority's off. Yeah, mm-hmm. correct. That, yeah. That's, just a, that's just a statistical fact on every game no matter what. Well, and so I think one of the big things to keep in mind as well is, and it, this is probably one of the more important points with target priority is and I've, I've been guilty of this all the time, is you get, you can, it's very easy to get laser focus, right? And, and as you said, if a unit gets hot or if they're just like a scary unit or something like that, you can just focus on this unit. And normally, you know, because the timing is important, right? Like if you, say if you dedicate a first activation, like your first activation to, to target something and kill it, you're giving up the opportunity. Like you, the opportunity cost is you're giving up the potential of activating another unit and targeting something else before it could go or something like that. And you see it happen all the time, you know, say someone's like Luke Skywalker gets in there and he, he goes, like, you know, like Luke goes first, you know, chops up a unit, is left exposed, he's only got like one or two wounds left, but he's already activated and you immediately drop your first activation to nuke him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of times where you look and you go, no, I shouldn't have done that, mm-hmm. right? Because you just got focused, you know, it, it's just, it just cost you resources, it's scary, you know, it's only got a few wounds left. You're like, yeah, just going to ice it now. But then you might have looked and gone, ah, shit, I should have killed the box guy. Mm-hmm. And, and potentially dealt with Luke later. It's not like you're not, you know, that's not a thing. But you just got to like, look before you leap, right? And it's really easy to get emotionally sunk in on a, like, a particular course of action without considering the wider context. And that's a huge mm-hmm. part of t- like where people misallocate the target priority. Mm-hmm. The other big one with that is, like with the OODA loop, your target priority doesn't just change from, say, turn one to three and four to six, or even turn to turn. It can change inside of a turn. Oh, totally. Where you were looking at something and then dice go one way or another, and then it's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Now I have to rethink my whole way of doing things this turn. Yeah. So every, not just every activation, but every choice should not be made um, on the cuff, you should actually take it. I personally think take a second to think on. Oh, definitely. You should pause. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I agree completely. And I think uh, I think one of the other big things with target priority. Yeah, I had it and then I lost it. <laughs> Damn, just stare into Nick's eyes. Stare into Nick's eyes. Nick I'm squinted me really hard. Like, uh, <laughs> no, okay, so I, I'm back. I'm back. I've got it. I just had to look at my my friend Nick, stare deep into his eyes, and it just gives me everything I need to fill this void. Uh, <laughs> You should, you should that's the touching and calling pretty there we go right now, yeah yeah it, 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 the tension is, is, is high 
Uh, we're gonna go resolve that question afterwards. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so, my, in a room. so so my main so my main, one of my like main points as well is when you have the resources, when you're allocating target priority, you should really I think uh, be looking to address like sort of those questions that you know so like that deal with the worst case. So say your opponent has uh, like a, a you know, has run up and you're playing, you know, you're playing recover the supplies, has run up a unit into the middle objective, has picked that box up. Mm-hmm. The worst case scenario, if that unit, you know, like doesn't, like say you've, you've, you've fired on them a couple times and there's only two guys left. And a lot of the time you can sort of reach this point where you start to get a little greedy, right? Where you sort of like, all right, I'm probably going to kill them. You know, I'll get them on average, right? Maybe, mm. I, maybe I go jack this other unit up that hasn't gone yet. And then you go to shoot them later on with a unit that statistically should have killed them, mm-hmm. but it doesn't. And now your opponent goes, first activation, next turn, double move, I'm, I'm gone. Mm-hmm. And now you're sitting there like, oh, shit, I probably lose this game because of that. And, and my point is, is that when you have the resources there, I think you should resolve the questions that worst case scenario will lose you the game or conversely will win you the game, right? Mm-hmm. So if it's like, it's generally in Legion will be around objectives, right? So it's like, if you can kill that unit and if you and if you don't, it'll lose you the game. I allocate resources until that question is answered, yeah. right? Until either I no longer have resources or the question is resolved in my favor. Fastest path to victory. Yeah, but it can be, like, tough, right? Because you can be like, well, you know, I could shoot that unit or I could shoot Luke or, you know, something else. But for me, that's like if the worst-case scenario comes to pass, I, I will auto-lose this, then you need to make sure that that answer is resolved in your favor first. Mm-hmm. The exception to this is when you start to get to, like, and this happens a lot in close games and, like, especially or if you're behind, where you start to get to those Hail Mary situations where you're like, okay, I need this unit to kill that unit and I need this unit to kill that unit. Then that's different because if if one of those doesn't happen, then well, you're probably going to lose the game. So you, you you're out of resources to apply. Mm-hmm. But while you have the resources to apply, answer the important questions first. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, this is why Luke now takes like fifty B ones in his lists. Can't kill them all. Yeah, you always have the resources to apply. <laughs> that's it. It never ends. <laughs> All right, guys, um, it's uh, time to wrap up uh, the show today. Um, hope you uh, enjoyed our first interview for this um, uh, season uh, with Kolki. And um, uh, let us know what you think. Um, you know, you guys uh, are, are giving us uh, a lot of uh, good ideas, a lot of good uh, feedback, responding to our surveys. Uh, if you want us to uh, uh, promote your local uh, gaming scene, gaming club, um, send us a, a message and we'll give you a plug. Uh, so uh, until the next uh, episode, uh, I am Senior Exhaust Support Designer Faye. And I'm Support Officer Cooper. And I'm Intel Officer Luke. And the silent one over there is Fulcrum Nick. And he's the good-looking one. Yeah, he's definitely. Yeah, he winked at that. Yeah, damn right he is. <laughs> People are gonna be like, "What the hell's going on?" They've got yeah. like a. They've got the imaginary friend in this. Oh, time. we got it. We got it. Just these Toy Story man. We got a friend in him. <laughs> <laughs>
And now for something completely different. Welcome back to... What's the chord again? Oh, Jesus oh, Christ. Oh, I'm one way of force. Oh, that's right. Oh, here we go. Let him get it right. Yeah. Start it off again. There you go.